This is Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Intuitive Oracle Jamie Hearn. Jamie stirs the cauldron with witches, shamans, healers, psychics, and mediums who bravely share their power and give you insight into what conversations with dead people really look like. It's probably not what you think. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes macabre, and always informative. Hello and welcome back to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. Normally we have all this feminine magic floating through and we don't have a lot of masculine presence. So I have asked my friend Bob Lisa to join us today. Thanks for coming on, Bob. No problem. Glad to be here. So I have known Bob or Bob and I have been aware of each other for almost 40 years. <laughs> yeah, right? That's a big admission for me, yeah, Bob. <laughs> it is, it is. And I it's funny, I knew you I knew you from through my my uh, first wife who said there's a a student in my class and bigger than me. <laughs> she was my second grade teacher. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. You're already very tall. You were very tall already. Yeah, and I'm 6'3 now, so I don't know if our audience knows that. So, (laughs) yeah, I've been tall my whole life. They do now. (laughs) And and Pam was not. Mm -mm. (laughs) No, she she was right right around, uh, gee, four and a half feet, something like that. (laughs) Small. Well, Bob has a really interesting experience and perspective on a lot of things. So I just love talking to you, which is one of the reasons I invited you to chat with me today. Cool. So do you, do you want to share with our audience the evolution of, of Bob from regional artist to who you are now and, and some of the magic that got you there? Sure. Sure. It's, it's an interesting trip. You know, I, I, I went to school for fine art at Misericordia. So I, I pretty grew up in Yatesville, Pennsylvania, uh, which is kind of like a suburb of Pittston, <laughs> which we all know from the, uh, the, the move, the recent movie about, uh, the Irishman. So I, I grew up in that town. Um, not at the time when it was not, not at that particular time, but there was some crossover with that movie, which was kind of cool, but so I grew up in I grew up in uh, Yatesville. I ended up going to fine arts school at uh, Misericordia. Instead of losing all my credits, decided to um, get a dual major of marketing and fine art. And they they were really good. They crafted something for me, but gave me a little bit of a new perspective and opened me up a little bit to some other possibilities. The marketing aspect of it really helped me craft my own custom place here in this area. So uh, my first job was at, uh, once I left there, was at Marywood, which was a a job in the field uh, as an artist where I had a drafting table. I was able to draw and do things and really related to art. But that was at a time when the the Macintosh computer hit our world. And this was the second thing that kind of happened that changed my perspective on what I may end up doing in the end. Um, I was also starting a family at that time. So... um, you know, income was important, of, of course. So uh, they got a Mac and computer in in their fine art department. And it was kind of like a um, 
two departments. I was in the marketing department, the art department. Uh, it was a dual thing where we both got computer systems and we both learned it at the same time. And I was just fascinated with it. So unexpectedly, quickly went from uh, manual physical drawing artist there at the school to utilizing this computer to do a, things a lot more efficiently and uh, got kind of thrust into the digital world of using a computer to do art. Uh, you know, that evolved from there where uh, I, I jumped around from company to company, really hungry for the very latest technology. And I did that probably for about four years until I got sick of letting them control that. And I decided I'm going to just get my own stuff. So uh, in 93, uh, my company was born. At the time, it was very computer graphic related. So it was called Lisa Computer Graphics. It worked out really well. I was so busy that I, I ended up, uh, you know, there was a little crossover working and doing this at night that I just went full bore and um, bounced from there into my first studio. I did my, my, my company thing at home for a while, upgraded my office two or three times, and then ended up investing in a very large scanner uh, from Germany that was the first in the United States. I had this kind of need to be very good at what I did. And so digitally, as far as art goes, fine art reproduction was where I was headed. Made a huge investment and it really paid off. Uh, had a lot of great years of um, 10 years there in that building, uh, building a, a unique business where people kind of looked at me, well, we got visitors from everywhere. Uh, the scanner was so new and so rare that uh, people from, you know, would visit from Tokyo, from, you know, uh, Australia, New York City. People would just show up uh, looking at this thing. And so I kind of got in the industry, kind of was seen as a bit of a trendsetter. That's pretty interesting. I mean, I knew that people did come to see the, yeah. the scanner and how it works. I didn't yeah. realize they came from so far. Oh, yeah. In order for me to afford the scanner, which was, I think at the time, it was about $250,000 for the scanner. Yikes. For Now, for one piece of equipment, that's a lot for a single guy running a, a local business in a small town like ours. Absolutely. So I'm like, how the heck? Am I? But it was one of those things, you know, you get that feeling like, I need to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to figure out a way. So... I ended up making them an offer. The company's in Germany, but the, the person in the United States was in Texas. And I, I convinced them that I was in a very strong area for them to sell more scanners. I was right close to New York, close to Philly, you know, willing to work with them that if they give me a special deal, I would do demos for them. Now, I was already in the market doing this stuff. They knew I was an artist. They knew I was doing art reproduction already previously for a lot of years. So... They kind of trusted me. I, uh, I got a good relationship with the guy in Texas. So uh, they made me an offer uh, that I couldn't refuse to be a demo site and uh, literally ordered this thing on uh, the day after Christmas in 19, uh, in tw uh, 20, 2002. So, wow. uh, yeah, now look at here we are 22, like almost 20 years later. And this equipment. I could literally turn around and sell this uh, thing for the same that I bought it for. Oh, wow. So it's a very unique situation. But 
back to the scanner. So this scanner was so great that we got visitors from everywhere. I built a wonderful reputation to, uh, for what I do, uh, because of this piece of equipment. And then, um, you know, it really helped me build a nice, strong base. Um, one little glitch, another thing that has come along that had made me change, kind of change courses. You know, you think, oh, I've got a wonderful building. The business is going well. Well, you, as you know, around here, the whole oil industry comes along. Right. And there's uh, the, the, these big water trucks going by my building every day, every 10 minutes, hitting this little bridge by my building and shaking my whole building, literally where I can't even get a scan off. Like I, like a, a real dilemma for me, you know, I, I can't do any work. Like not that I couldn't do any work, but it was real difficult. So I ended up having to sell that building and move out of there really quick. And, uh, uh, you know, I ended up having to, uh, get it on the market and sell it. Cause I couldn't do it without selling that building. You know, it's a small business. You know how that is. You got to kind of do one sure. thing before you do the other. So, so did you yeah. go directly to where you're at now? No. So I, so the church that I, I, I'm now in an old church, but they approached me and really loved my building and they were, they were growing. And I was kind of at this point downsizing it. When I was at the roller rink, I had, I think as many as like nine people working for me at that time. And I was at the stage where I kind of thought, eh, you know what? It's nice, but I want to get back to when it was more fun. Just me, you know? more artistic, more creativity, use my equipment, go back to just kind of downsizing. So I ended up selling the business to the church. I got their old 18, I think it was built in the 1870s, an old Episcopalian, beautiful post and beam church. And that, but it was needed a lot of work for me to move in. So I had to move out of, out of town for a while, move down to Kingston, uh, uh, for about four and a half years while I, by hand and you did this yourself for your church that you have right. uh, yeah you know you have to work on it and get it ready before you go full boring and pull all your equipment in and run a business there so um after four and a half years i was able to successfully do that it was a real trip but now um uh, i've been there now four and a half years and it's a wonderful old building and it I wouldn't, is, yeah. It is a really interesting building yeah. with super unique energy. Absolutely. Let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I was hoping we could get to that when I was done with the story because really um, when I first moved in there, um, there were a lot of weird synchronicities, first of all, like um, things like... Uh, um, uh, building materials I would buy like to, to make it happen. Like I had to get my scanner in there and I had to redo the whole floor. So I ripped the whole floor up, but like I, I ordered this special granite. I wanted bluestone, but couldn't get it. So I got the special granite and just, there were probably two or three really interesting synchronicities that were like impossible that happened there where the night before the scanners or maybe the week before the scanners come, I'm putting a stone in, which was a weird stone. That was uh, a good deal at a stone yard. And, and it was cut weird. Like it was cut instead of 18 inches square. It was like 15 and three quarters. Right. But I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll take it all. I'll, I'll take it. So <laughs> I'm installing this thing and I, it's, and, and, and then literally under the gun to get the floor done. Cause the scanners coming in two or three days. 
And I, it ends up that there were no cuts. The, the, the stone fit exactly around the whole inside of my perimeter of my church with 20, 22 one way, 33 the other way. Of course it did. Yeah. So like that was my first real like, wow, this is crazy. Like this was, I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned that in a million years. And, and then, you know, that was my first real weird experience there, but there were so many more since then, like almost on a monthly basis, someone would walk in out of the blue and uh, it would be just like, it's almost like it's a portal, you know? It, it, I, I am all, I'm certain that there has been a portal there and there's some really strong energy um, from events that have happened there Mm-hmm. And that you're bringing in yourself too, because mm-hmm. let's face it, you are a, a powerful energy that doesn't need historical events to activate yeah. your power. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a, a lot of people would be afraid of some of the things that have come across there. Um, you know, old pictures, uh, old pictures of what might have gone on there in the past uh, that would be tend to be more negative energy, you know, yeah. more, uh, uh, things that would ha- like, uh, you know, Donna Labar, right. Her and I are together right now. Like she's really intuitive. Right. Donna's uh, been on my podcast. Yeah. So yeah, all yeah. your listeners know Donna too. Yeah. Donna Labar. <laughs> so, you know, she helped me, she's also uh, in real estate. So she helped me make the deal to get this church in the first place. And funny story. You know, you have a church now, right? <laughs> yeah. Donna, when we got together, had a church. She owned a church up here at the lake. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. And then <laughs> I, I had a church. It's like we all had churches, you know, old churches. And they're they're just remarkable uh, buildings with such, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm of the belief that energy doesn't leave a place. You know, there's a, so much with consciousness that gets left and yes. and is left in the space, but. Um, so she was detecting some weirdness there, like all the time. She's like, wow, there's some weird, weird stuff going on here. And so she, she would do a lot of work. Uh, you know, we did some saging, we did a whole bunch of stuff, you know, as you know, I'm into coffee. Yes. Um, you know, people say, when I say that, they say, well, that's kind of understatement. I'm I'm a bit of a, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a freak about coffee. You know, I, I, have always had an interest in it, but that's true. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I roast coffee in an old wood oven and, in in my studio as part of my kind of a, a side business, but more for the, for the purpose of mastering it. But, um, you know, so this fits into the story because, you know, I've, uh, in all my years of doing coffee, I never had such a problem to get the coffee to taste good in a particular place. Now you think, well, what, what do you mean? Like, how could the co- taste of the coffee be different because of where you are? Right. Um, but I swear that related to the water. So if, if you're into coffee, you know, that one of the most important parts of a coffee is, is water the water you use. Sure. And so, you know, originally, you know, you use, you, you try to find a good source of water. So up here at the lake, we have a great source of water. There's great minerals, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I would bring my water from here down to the church 
and I had a special pump put in where I'm using only good water from here from 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 my house here at the lake and taking it there for the purpose of having good water there. And we would use the same water here at home. So I would roast my coffee down at the studio, take it here. I always have a good cup of coffee here at the studio or here at the house. I could do the same exact bean, the same grinding, the same water, but it tasted different in my church. Interesting. Right. And you think, well, well how could that be? Well, you know, this is a whole other conversation about water. You know, water, you know, is one of the mediums in our world that holds on to a lot related to consciousness. Yes. Um, and I've done a much research on it and, and have gone pretty in-depth about how do you get the water fixed in a, in a, in a, that everything you do is the same everywhere else, but then you just take it in a new environment and there's a problem. So of course Donna has done some saging and has done some things there and and uh, but I ended up actually just putting a, a water distillery down there. So I literally distill the water first, which brings it to you know whatever is in the water. You take it to zero parts per million. It's just water H two O, and then um, I restructure it using um a few different methods so you can restructure water you can use magnets or you can use just you know um methods where you put intention on the water and then i put my own minerals back in and we finally have solved the problem after <laughs> you know two and a half years of trying to figure out how can we get a good cup of coffee the way i like it and solve the problem of of uh fixing the water there so interesting, isn't it? And, it totally and, is. Well, you so, talk about a direct effect from an environment on a medium like water. It just gives you an idea of like what what's going on there. Like there's something going on, right? Right. And, and, and what's, what's the water absorbing once it gets there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what was what what's having the effect of changing the structure enough so that it affects the way you know, the coffee taste, you know, right. and it wasn't like it was a better flavor. It was a bad sour, like, you know, just a, a weird anomaly. But what it did is it brought me down a whole new road. You know, we, we, we started trying to solve this problem right out of the gate because, you know, coffee, you know, the coffee business and me roasting and me doing brewing there and having espresso and doing different things I do there. I had to kind of get that right. And uh, so it was interesting <laughs> to come down this road of, of working with water at this level and learning everything about it. You know, there's so much out there on, on uh, water and, and different ways of um, uh, different research that proves that water is um, takes on properties of its environment. And I, I want to say almost has a, a memory to it. Um, totally. I mean, I, I think it's Dr. Amoto, Dr. Amoto. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he flash froze water under different environments after restructuring it and from different environments and different rivers. And, and, and it's just ridiculous how the effect of consciousness has on water and how he kind of proved that. Absolutely. His studies are just fascinating. And actually, yeah. Donna is the one who introduced me to that concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So did you dig into the history of the building and begin to see if you could identify where some of this collective conscious may have become divergent from the path we're on? I think it was originally related to, um, now I don't know a lot about the different orders that have been there, but like, for instance, one of the early pictures I have uh, of what um, what the building was back in the day, right? It was all white. It had a very high steeple, like, uh, I don't know what you call that, where it's a very steep pitched top with a cross on it. But the steps were weird. The steps came from both sides, and they worked their way up to the center from left to right in almost like a half moon half spiral. Hmm. And I, and it's funny and I don't, I can't remember who told me this, but I researched it and verified it that um, men were walked up the left side and women and children walked up the right side and to enter the church. (laughs) So you think, well, there's some dogma, there's some weirdness. There's some like, you know, why, why, why does it have to be that way? So, um, you know, you think, I, I thought to myself, well, that, that's a little bit of a clue. And then, you know, at the time also of when that was built and during the time years, the early years, there was a lot of things going on here with um, underground, uh, the underground railroad in our area. Yeah. So um, uh, I'm getting, like, I keep hearing Rosicrucians. Uh, so I wonder if there, if it was like a meeting place for Rosicrucians. Interesting. I'll look, I'll have to look up that. Spell that for me. Oh, way to put me on the spot, Bob. Ro- Rosa, <laughs> Rosicrucians. I got it. <laughs> it's R-O-S-E something. <laughs> Rosicrucians, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll look that up. Um, so, have you experienced any activity there like have you felt presence of other beings have you been visited like what what have you noticed no more it was more related to one in a million experiences like quick story um you know i get all different kinds of work where i might work with photos i might work with artwork and you know because of the scanner i get kind of unique jobs so you know this is just one example of this things like this that happen all the time now, but I'm, I'm on my way to work. I get a call from an ad agency. They say, Hey, we're sending a photo up. We really are hoping you could scan this. And it's an eight by 10, eight by 10 inches, black, old black and white photo of a guy working in a tire retreading shop, you know, from a cart. I think it's McCarthy tire down, down in uh, Wilkes, uh, down in Wilkes-Barre. Anyway, so the shot was old and it was vintage and they wanted to print this one shot in their showroom at like, I don't know, 30 feet. So I had to take this 10, 8 by 10 inch piece and make it big enough to be printed at uh, on a 30 foot wall. Okay. So it was old. It was cracked. So uh, and they needed it that day. So they call me and say, could you take this job on? We really appreciate it, whatever. So, I, you know, I'm up for a challenge. So. I take it on. I get there, put the picture on the scanner. Now, this is probably 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, put this thing on the scanner, and I'm working on it literally that day. 
going, uh, I have a process where I kind of go through and fix cracks, little, little pieces at a time, because when it's going to blow it up, if you miss anything, you know, you'd really see it. So, so I'm working on it and, and I'm at the point where this guy that's in the photo is on my screen and his full face is on the screen and I'm fixing little blemishes on his skin and doing all this little stuff. And then I have another customer who I, I, I did work for probably 20 years ago, maybe 30. I didn't remember what he looked like. He sent me some work and he was coming up that day to have a meeting to go over some of the stuff. So I'm working on the thing and he walks in and my picture's on the screen. This guy walks in, he's standing there talking to me and and we're going over the job and he keeps looking at my screen, right? Like (laughs) looking at the screen, you know, and like, like I'm scratching his head, like, you know, totally ignoring anything I'm, I'm saying. I said, I said, what, what's up? He said, why is that on your screen? <laughs> and like, which is already a weird question. Why is right? that on your screen? And I said, oh, it's a job I just, I got on and I'm doing a restoration of this photo for a client. He goes, that's my father. Whoa. <laughs> now this was a picture from the, probably from the maybe the fifties, the sixties, you know, and this Super guy cool. out of nowhere is like, that's my father. Like, and, and, and that's a kind of a really kind of one of them, one in a million shot when you, when you think about it, but I really do have stuff like that happen there all the time. So if you were to say what happens there, that's kind of weird. That's the kind of thing that happens. That's really cool synchronicity, though. Uh, yeah, synchronicity is kind of like the story with the with the stones. Like, it's like one my relationship with the building isn't some kind of dark, weird energy thing. The coffee thing was weird, but that was more interesting to me. Like, I'm not afraid of it. I think that might be part of it. Like, I'm not afraid of uh, of of any of the metaphysical stuff. You know, in fact, I I I love thinking about that. And, and having experiences that are a little bit beyond what normal people have, as you know, like, like yourself, you, you have these experiences and you think, well, we don't talk about this stuff a lot, but it does happen. I, I uh, love talking about it. That's I know like- you do. That's right. Well, that's one of the beauties. I mean, you and I could talk for hours about some of the experiences that, you know, you my, I, my experience with you where we did a reading when, what was that? Probably maybe 10 years ago. It was where- quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, and I was already studying Edgar Casey and was already into a lot of that stuff, and and uh, so just verification that there's something else, and I I think it's so much affects us every day, but because it's uh, it's um, integrated into our our perception, and we don't we don't we don't see a lot of it. You know, it's called coincidence or it's called luck or it's called whatever. Exactly. There's such a programming to write it off and dismiss it and not acknowledge like that was real shit that just happened in your world. You should pay attention to it. Yeah. And, And so when it happens a lot, you start to think, why is this happening so much? And there's not luck here. This is not random. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at a point with, all the experience I've had to this day to know that, uh, you know, there's, it, there's almost no randomness, you know, I've right. gone full circle to thinking that, you know, we have so much more control over what happens to us, but we're not really realizing the process 
because we've been conditioned away from the truth so much. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Like we are, we are creators and there's so much unconscious creation going on that it's rampant. Then there's those of us who are trying to be conscious creators. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you think of catalyst in your day every day and, you know, so, you know, I like to follow, I like to follow channeling, which is, um, you know, different than what Edgar Casey did. Edgar Casey, I think, was in tune with the earth so much and, and with the Akashic record that he was, you know, some people think he channeled, but I, I kind of think he didn't channel. I kind of think he was more in tune with the earth at the time and was able to really go anywhere with his consciousness. He, he would get in that trance state and go anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I agree. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm sure, and you do the same thing, you know, you do it in your way. It's, a, you know, but you're doing the same thing where you're more in tune with energy to, to cut through all, all the things that we're taught is there, which really isn't and get really down to the truth of a situation between you and your, your customer or you and your client. And, uh, and, you know, like I said, Edgar Casey, who I probably read 10 of his books and, I'm more of an audible listener, so I'll, I'll get the books that are on audible and really listen to them a lot. But I'm into kind of higher channel, higher level, higher consciousness channeling. Like um, an example would be like um, um, Law One, the Law One or the raw, raw material, they call it, where three people channeled a higher consciousness or... Um, um, who's the other woman who, who does the, uh, she's really popular with channeling. Um, she, her name's escaping me now. I, I used to listen to her a lot, but it's funny. There's such hidden gems in the messages. You know, I guess for me, I've always been attracted to things that there's a little bit of proof going on. Like for instance, like, um, um, Edgar Casey's work. Like it was all documented. Like it was super documented. Right. He's got a file yeah. on everybody, and it's all. And I think it, there were also recordings and notes where yes. you know he he he'll do things like say there was there was a, a this person needed a certain remedy from a pharmacy in a certain town, and it's in the back room on the second shelf. Yeah, at, you know that level of ability, and you know this stuff was all documented. So like this isn't made up. Like this, there's some truth to this. So once you get to that for myself, and it's always a personal journey, you believe what you believe. But right. for me, there were two or three real big works that have been available to us that have given me extreme belief. And then once the belief was there, you start to hear it differently. Like once the belief is there and you're listening to someone, you, you now have belief. So you hear the message. And and uh, law of one's a good example. Uh, that there's so much wisdom and higher level conscious thinking that brings us back to the simplicity of what we are. Absolutely. This, and like when we're in those texts, yeah, there's a higher level message, but there yeah. are also personal messages that yeah. land so directly. Like yeah. this, this is written to me. Like, yeah. How yeah. did they, how did they know me? Yeah. How, <laughs> and, and so isn't it interesting that you think, well, how did, how does that hit home so well? And I think because 
higher consciousness is more simplified related to how, how we are, what we do, how we feel. Um, we happen to be on a planet in a, a pretty badass part of the universe uh, that is got a extreme polarity play going on, you know, um, you know, where you've got political parties, you've got countries with political parties, you've got separation of country to country, you've got separation of parties within the countries. Then you've got, you know, all the different things related to religions. There's so many potential, there's so much potential for separation, separation, con confusing thought, you know, picking a side, you know, really a lot of catalyst for you to determine whether your, your polarity is a certain way or another. And then there's the whole polarity thing where people don't even, well, what does polarity mean? Well, that's an electrical term, you know, polarity, but it isn't, it's a consciousness term really. And well, so our experiences and our catalyst we have has such a great play of polarity. Uh, and I think it hit a pre precipice. I think it hit a peak uh, with the whole COVID thing, you know, you know, in uh, 2019. And I, I think that overall as a catalyst and overall as a group consciousness on this earth, I think it did more good than bad from my perspective and what I know and what I see and what I feel. And I agree. I feel better energy now than I did before that happened. I'm more aware now because of what happened. I'm more aware of what the potential of, of why there was such a great polarity play on our planet and, and who was trying to control who and whatever. It just spells it out a little bit better. Right. And I feel like I have a greater clarity about where I stand mm -hmm. and where other people stand mm -hmm. so it allows me to align with the energies that yeah. support me my growth and yeah. the evolution of the planet because let's yeah. face it we're we are on the precipice that was a perfect word to use yeah yeah and and for me i think we're over the hump i mean i'm, a, I'm i am known to be a bit of an optimist <laughs> but it's because my life has shown me that Show me things that where optimism served me better. Um, yeah. Maybe I came here with optimism. Maybe this incarnation, maybe I have enough of, of incarnations uh, where I'm coming in this, this one a little bit more optimistically. Who knows? But, um, you know, it does feel better. There's some good, you know, even, even on my daily basis of the level of like, we, we had a lot of freedoms taken away. We had almost like from one day to the next, you know, you find yourself being challenged whether you're wearing a mask or not or challenged right. whether you're, you know, saying the right word as far as how you, you call someone by name or how you treat someone in a store or, you know, who, how close you are to somebody or whether you're staying your distance. And, you know, all these things that kind of were dropped on us, like almost like a bomb, yeah, almost like a metaphysical consciousness bomb. Yeah, you know, they were all attempted controls. Absolutely. And, and I I feel that it was unsuccessful. And so if you were to say, uh, you know, you can call it what you want, but if you, it's very clear there were control mechanisms being put into place around the whole world. There were great attempts for that. But yes. I feel like it failed. And I feel like that failure really is a, a positive way to look at us as a group consciousness overcoming and understanding 
there is some kind of weird polarity play going on here. And there are some people that are trying to control us that really don't have a right to. And, uh, you know, uh, I think, I think it's gotten better and I think it's getting better every day and I feel freer in the end. Awesome. And I also feel like there's an ease of connection Mm -hmm. for, for those of us who are on this path. Yeah. So have you been, have you having been having more open experiences personally? I, I could tell you in the last six months, I mean, there's been an uptick for me. I mean, um, definitely. Yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've also made a shift to do more personal work than more yeah. professional yeah. work. Yeah. Because when you're in the business, it's easy to get caught up in doing oh, stuff absolutely. that supports you professionally. But yep. making that internal shift has been a big impact for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so there's parts, uh, you know, I feel like the highest technology, you know, people, People talk about AI, and I'm in a, I'm in a kind of a high tech business, so I'm really on the pulse of a lot of the things that happen digitally. Like for me, I, I kind of push the envelope on file sizes and and large scans. Like sometimes I'm scanning things that are like thirty or forty feet long, and they have to be a high resolution where they're going to use it and make it twice the size. You know, um, so I'm on the I'm on that part of the technology. So. When something comes out and they say, well, this this will increase your processing speed by this much or, you know, add this amount of RAM and you're going to have this much more ability. And, 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 and in the computer world, it's like, well, computers have surpassed humans and, that, you know, process so much more information in a second. But you know what? That's so false. When you think of what it takes for you to even just with your own free will, move your finger up and down. Or write a sentence, you know, and control the line so that you can write a word that someone else can recognize. Like what I've become much more aware of recently and uh, is that, that we're, we're like the most advanced technology, who knows where in the universe. Like as we walk around, we're not connected. To, we're totally wireless, right? <laughs> we're totally wireless. We walk around and use vast amounts of electricity and energy on a daily, you know, and, and the things that people do and the fact that we're the ones creating these devices in the first place, you know, creating devices that, that can use electricity to show you something on a screen. Like, you know, um, you remember the Jetsons back in the day, we used to watch cartoons and, you know, like we're far beyond the Jetsons now, you know, (laughs) uh, but the key is, People underestimate what what they really are, and how amazing it is that the trillions of operations in a second that we do all the time. And I know, no matter how fast my computer is, I'm sitting there waiting for it all the time. You know, my thoughts right. are, I'm ready for the next move. The computer's not. You know what I'm saying? I love it. So that that's actually like the perfect thing to end on and let our listeners go contemplate that like absolutely how fast you uh, your body processes stuff yeah well bob yeah. thanks so much it's always fun to talk to you always a pleasure uh i'm i'm, I'm uh, like i said i'm optimistic and for everybody's future and um it's a pleasure to get on here and uh hash over it a bit with you well, and 
we will see everybody next week on Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. I'm going to have a coffee at Bob's. Peace <laughs> and badass magic. Thank you for listening to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Jamie Hearn. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. 